Oh, turn it up. Got your icon pass, powder slash it. 50 plus destinations. Speaking of, did you get your icon pass yet, Sean? I'm on iconpass.com dropping in right now. Wow. From just $2.59 adult? Okay. Done. We all do it. Or at least statistics suggest that at one point or another, all of us have done it. You don't have to be ashamed about it. It's the reason why every year, around December 30th, you are inundated with commercials persuading you that you need to make a change. The commercial goes something like this. There's something in your life that needs to be changed, slightly adjusted or just mildly tweaked. And the coming new year is perhaps the best time, the perfect time for you to make this positive change in your life. Do you want to quit smoking? Well, January 1st will give you a fresh start. What about washboard abs or lower blood pressure? Well, January 1st, you have a fresh start. Start a new fitness plan or perhaps start eating better. For whatever fresh start you choose to make, some products and services will offer you the opportunity to enlist the help of a guide, a subject matter expert, someone who you can follow along your journey of change. This guide will supposedly hold you accountable. If you're quitting a habit like smoking, this guide will smack the cigarette right out of your hand as you're attempting to light it. If you're after that perfect beach body in three easy steps by February, your personal guide will help you suppress even the most tempting donut from Sugar Shack or a late night burger from Five Guys. This person will show you the way to live the life that you think you need to live. But more often than not, after making this fresh start, Another name for this could be a new law that you are going to try to follow. Less than 21 days later, more often than not, all of us fall back into our old ways. We're unable to follow the new law that we tried to lead ourselves through, or worse, the one who was supposed to be guiding us did not faithfully help us find our goal. We shared our goals with this person. We placed our trust in this person. This person was supposed to encourage us, and we failed. For some reason or another, we find our way back to what is comfortable, leaving behind the law that we attempted to follow, a new way of life that we think will remove obstacles preventing us from living life freely, living life as we've always wanted to live takes less than 21 days, on average, for us to abandon change, to abandon the new law, the new law that we made to improve our lives. The disciples had followed Jesus for three years. For three years, the disciples followed an itinerant rabbi who called them away from their fishing nets, fishing nets and their tax posts. For three years, the disciples followed Jesus as he taught and healed his way from Nazareth to Jerusalem. For three years, Peter and his friends witnessed firsthand the ministry of Christ. In the end, this group 
would also witness Christ's arrest, his trial, the torture he endured, and his death. And then the miraculous happened, and Jesus exited the tomb, leaving his burial clothes folded neatly in the grave. Jesus greeted Mary and then revealed himself to his followers, his followers who had locked themselves behind a door. After the divine encounter, Jesus commissioned the disciples and sent them out, sent, sending them with the power of the Holy Spirit. The disciples were going to proclaim and continue the work that Christ had started through his birth and that work that he had accomplished finally through the moment when he exited the tomb. By the power of Christ's resurrection, they had been freed from their captivity to sin. The disciples were invited to step into the grace of God and to begin to fully enjoy their forgiveness. Yet we read that after Jesus appeared to Thomas and Thomas made his confession, my Lord and my God, it seems that the disciples are going back to the familiarity of their lives before they knew Christ. The gospel writer tells us that Peter had organized a fishing expedition. I guess old habits are hard to kick. Like the first fishing trip we read of in Luke's gospel, not a single fish was caught during this all-night expedition. Their efforts from the previous evening were in vain. I mean, they had taken three years off to follow Jesus. Perhaps they were just a bit rusty. But surely, if you go fishing all night long, you will eventually catch something. I myself, I'm not a fisherman, but I've watched enough deadliest catch to know that something will get caught. It may not be the fish you're looking for or the crab you're looking for, but if you throw your net out, if you cast pots into the sea, eventually you'll catch something. Every time the disciples sent their nets out and drew them back in, the nets came up empty. And like Luke's gospel, when the disciples returned to shore, a stranger was there and greeted them telling them to go back and cast their nets out again. Jesus had been standing on the beach. The disciples had yet to recognize him, and it was not until they obeyed this stranger's commands that Peter fully recognized, along with the other disciples, that the stranger who had given them these instructions was indeed the one that they had been following for the past three years. It wasn't until the nets came up full, so full that they expected the nets to rip, that the disciples recognized the fullness of the one who was standing before them. Gathered around a charcoal fire, I take this as evidence that charcoal grills are much superior to gas. During this campfire moment, disciples joined Christ for a post-resurrection Eucharist feast. The table was, as it is today, prepared and hosted by Christ. All of the disciples were invited to receive the meal, all of them full stop, without exception, including the one who had denied knowing Christ during his darkest hour of need. 
when Jesus was most vulnerable and isolated, Peter denied knowing him. Peter did exactly what he had promised that he could never do, something that Christ had predicted he would do. And now face to face with Jesus having denied knowing him, perhaps forgetting about the commission given to him in the upper room, just after Christ had exited the grave, Peter now has some baggage to deal with. As my mom would say, Peter has some explaining to do. So Jesus asks Peter a series of questions. Simon John, do you love me more than these? Jesus said to him, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Jesus said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Simon, son of John, do you love me? By this point, the gospel writer tells us that Peter's feelings were perhaps a bit hurt. Surely he knew that he had messed up on Thursday and Friday of Holy Week, but why is Jesus now pressing the issue? Simon Peter, do you love me? The series of questions seems as though Jesus is being rough on Peter, perhaps holding, Jesus, holding Peter to task for his actions by the charcoal fire after Christ had been arrested. I mean, Jesus doesn't even address Peter as Peter. Rather, he calls him Simon, son of John, his full name. And I know from getting in trouble with my mom and my parents, especially your grandparents, when they use your full name, you're in big trouble. Maybe Jesus needed reassurance from Peter that he would hold the line, that he would not fall off the grace and mercy wagon that Peter, along with the other disciples, had been invited to step onto. Or maybe, just maybe, like time and time again during his ministry, Jesus was inviting Peter to set aside the shame of his past, past and to step into grace and mercy. Peter, after following Jesus for three years, denied knowing Jesus three times in the matter of a few hours. It wasn't that Peter forgot who Jesus was or was ashamed of his association with Christ. Peter was looking out for himself, reverting to what was comfortable for him rather than who he had been invited to be. If Jesus' questions were about finding someone who had a perfect record or someone who could follow the law perfectly to lead what was to come, Jesus would have looked somewhere else. Jesus invited Peter to step out of the shame of his denial and into the light of grace. The light of the grace of Jesus Christ shines into the darkest corners of our creation, shining in to the darkness of the shame we hide from one another and the darkness that we try to hide from ourselves. The grace of Jesus Christ invited Peter and continues to invite all of us today, calling us out of our denial, out of our inability to follow the law that we create for ourselves and the law created for us by others and to step into the fullness of Christ's resurrection. It is by the grace of Christ that we are invited to live in the fullness of this life, having had the power of 
our denial and our sins overcome by Christ's own faithfulness. Through three denials, it seemed as though Peter had thrown away three years. Three years of faithful service to the Messiah. In a few hours of weakness, Peter thought his lack of faithfulness may have prevented him from following Christ. But Jesus proves yet again that his faithfulness prevails where our faithfulness falls short. The grace of Jesus Christ calls us beyond our doubts. It calls us beyond our denials, and it invites us to step into the light of the empty tomb. The grace of Christ calls us to set aside our agendas, the things that we think we can do for ourselves to live our best life yet, and to live fully into the glory of his resurrection. The calling extended to Peter, follow me is the same calling that is extended to each of us when we emerge from our baptismal waters. The calling, follow me, is an invitation to meet Christ at his table, but follow me is also an invitation to experience the fullness of the freedom extended to us by the power of Christ's Easter victory, the final victory over our captivity to sin and death. Follow me is an invitation to the life that we know we cannot live on our own. Thanks be to God. Amen.